Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding after abuse. And I like to remind you that this podcast is meant to be an enhancement, a supplement to trauma-informed and abuse-informed therapy. We do not want to take the place of, we cannot take the place of that. And if you need help finding someone who does understand trauma, someone who understands violence and abuse, the different patterns and systems of abuse, and who will walk with you on your journey to healing, please let me know. And I will give you a list of who I am currently recommending. And just a little bit of housekeeping. You can find anything um, that pertains to my blog and the things that I offer as far as coaching, summits, retreats, etc. You can find all of those links at my blog, which is heatherelizabeth.org. And you just go across the top there at the menu bar and you can click on each of those items. Um, women, you are welcome to join us at Held and Healed, Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. That is a private, I think it's actually considered secret Facebook group. It is searchable. If you type that into the search, You it will pop up, but then you cannot see who's in the group and you cannot see what's being shared in the group. And that's for privacy and safety reasons. And I want to highlight two things that are coming up that are a little bit more time sensitive. You can click on um, the heatherelizabeth.org. You can click on the coaching tab and whatever coaching is currently being offered, that's what will pop up. At the time of this recording, we are very close to launching a new boundaries coaching group and we need a couple more people to make that a big enough group to move forward. So if you're listening to this in real time in February of 2022, please join us in that It will be an incredible opportunity to learn about yourself and to learn about setting and holding boundaries so that you can continue to accelerate your healing. Boundaries are not meant to be a punishment. They're not meant to be vindictive. They are meant to protect us as we heal. And they set a a fence around us so that our hearts, our bodies, our minds can begin to heal. As long as we are constantly allowing the same people to hurt us over and over again, we, those wounds are just being reopened and they are being exposed to infection and disease and, and worse. So we want to learn how to be smart. We are going to talk about the JADE acronym. We're going to talk about gray rocking. We're going to talk about the power of two little letters, one little word, N-O. We're going to talk about choosing things that align with our gift sets and our passions and our time availability, as well as whether or not we have the physical energy. So lots of goodness coming up in that boundaries course that we're going to spend 12 weeks together alternating between Zooms and Facebook Lives. So you'll have a variety of ways to interact with the other ladies in the group. And then uh, March 25 through 26 is our Safer Spaces Summit, where I am hosting along with I think 12, 11, 11 other amazing authors, educators, speakers, leaders um, in the faith community who truly understand the realities of abuse. We're going to discuss the stories, the statistics, and then solutions for addressing abuse within faith communities. And you can click on that tab, even if it's past the time, because it is going to be offered in a vault after the live event is over. So that will be 
a product that is available long-term that you can use to resource um, for yourself. If you maybe are a survivor and you just want to hear from some of the best of the best that understand those dynamics, if you are a mother, a sister, a BFF, um, a coworker of someone who's walking through that, this would be an incredible opportunity for you to learn so that you can better help and not further harm ones who are walking through that. If you're a pastor or a spiritual leader and you see the realities of abuse, but you just do not know where to begin, we'll introduce you to resources and ministries that are equipping churches to set policies and procedures in place. If you are a counselor or a coach, what I am finding from a lot of my ladies is that a lot of times their counselors do not even really understand the dynamics and the patterns and systems of abuse. And there's just some really important things that we need to we need to be aware of when we're walking with people who have come out of trauma and abuse. So that is the Safer Spaces Summit, March 25 through 26, a live virtual event. And then after that time, it will be a vaulted access. So today I am really excited to just come to you and share my testimony and my heart with regard to my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm kind of sad that it took me this long to think about devoting an entire podcast to this. I do, of course, share all throughout and sprinkle all throughout this podcast that I love Jesus with all my heart and that I am clinging to him, even as I am questioning a lot of what I've been taught about him, a lot of what I've been taught about his word. But I do not make apologies. Um, I do not waver from my testimony is that he's always been there. And my testimony is I've always been aware of his presence. And I have felt that even in the darkest, most destitute of situations, times, and places. And so today, I just wanted to take you on a journey and share with you a little bit of my story regarding just me and Jesus. Jesus and me. (laughs) Um, I give space and I completely understand when someone says that they have not felt his presence. I completely validate when someone says, I just don't understand how a good God would allow dot, dot, dot. I understand that wrestling and so does he. That's more important than what I, what I understand is, is that he understands. We do not have to pretend with God. There is actually no point of pretending with him because he already knows us inside and out. And so I welcome you to come with him, to him with your questions. I welcome you, encourage you to come to him with your doubts. I encourage you to come to him with your pain and your sorrow and your lament and your grief and your heartache, all of that because Jesus understands. The word tells us that we we don't have this God that just is a a stone, a graven image that we bow down to. He he is real. He's all parts God, all parts man, and he came and he lived and he walked on this earth and he experienced heartache and betrayal beyond my comprehension. And he did that. And then he suffered physical torture and death. He did that by choice so that he could redeem and save an entire world. And when I am at my lowest and when I am at my darkest and when I am experiencing anguish and betrayal and heartache and people have lied about me and people have hurt me, I go back to my God gets that. My Jesus understands that. 
And so today, I just want to tell you a little bit about my Jesus. If your experience has not been this, I am not pushing this on you. I am not forcing you to believe me. I'm not forcing you to accept that this is for all people, this reality of what I feel. But I am encouraging you to invite him to help you separate out who he is from who he's been made out to be, who he's been presented at, how, how his word has been weaponized against you to hurt you in your time of need. Maybe you came to a church because you were broken and you were suffering horrendous amounts of abuse and trauma. And maybe that church further shamed you, further traumatized you, further blamed you, further victimized you. Maybe that church did not believe you. Maybe that church uh, shunned you and embraced your abuser. Very, very common thing that happens. I have heard that story hundreds of times. Maybe you have had an experience with a leader within the church who thought he was God, who did horrendous things to you in God's name and told you that you could not share with anyone else. And if that is your experience, I am here to say that's not God. That is not God. And the hard thing to wrap our minds around is that God did create us with free will. And because of that, People make really bad choices, but that is not God. And he did not create us to be puppets on a string that he could control. If so, salvation would not be a choice. It would be forced upon us. And that's just not how he chose to create us. And so distinguishing who God is versus the evil in the world around us. A lot of times that has been done in his name. Let me just start out with some prayer. Father, I just pray that as we go through this time together, that the words that these dear ones need to hear would be spoken, that anything that I say that is not your heart, your character, or your word for them would just fall on deaf ears. But the words that need to be heard, the words that need to be spoken, the words that need to be received, the words that would be a healing balm and a healing salve, that those would be the words that they would receive now. I pray, God, that you would help us to distinguish who you are from who these people have presented you to be. I pray, God, that you would help us to open your word and be able to read it, what you intended for it to mean, not what someone else has told us it means or what someone has translated it to mean. But, God, your true word and your true heart and your true character would shine through. I pray, God, for the lost who have been just wounded deeply, the ones who have been forsaken and betrayed and abused by organized religion. I just pray that you would reach out right now and you would give them a comforting hug, an embrace that they would feel held by you. And for those who just don't even think they even want to hear your name, I just pray, God, that you would comfort and you would meet them in that place where they are because you understand, you understand where they are. So I ask that you would give me your words and help me to convey what is on my heart today in a way that brings honor and glory to you in Jesus name. Amen. So as I've shared a little bit of my story in the past, I have said that I really have not known a day outside of the presence of God. I have experienced abuse my entire life and yet overall 
And above that, I have still also felt this overarching, um, I don't want to say a bubble because I don't feel like I was really in a bubble. I don't feel like I was protected from everything. I just feel like there was some sort of a a covering, I don't know what else to call it, that allowed me to see him as he is versus projecting onto him who all of these abusive people were. So my entire life, childhood and adulthood and everything in between, I have been surrounded by abusers and I have been abused. That is my story. There are many people who would like to minimize that. There are many people who would like to gaslight that. There are many people who would like to downplay that. But that's my story. That is my reality. I have started as a healing process for myself. I've started to write my story just for my eyes only for now. And it's just story after story after story of people who took advantage of me, people who lied to me, people who betrayed me, people who um, promised me one thing and did something very different, people who tried to strip me of my giftings and opportunities to use the passions and the giftings that God had given me to serve other people. This has been all through my life. And it was about five or six years ago that I began to stand up and say enough is enough. Like I am not going to take this BS and I actually said the full word. I will admit that because there's sometimes that you have to call it what it is. I said, I will not take this BS any longer. And to go toe to toe with people who had had access to me and had been allowed to um, manipulate, control, gaslight, scapegoat me for 40 some years. That was hard to do. That was hard to do. But that is where I began to see um, a shift in, in just my understanding of who I am and my understanding of what is acceptable, what is acceptable and how we allow people to treat us. Like we, we sometimes don't really have a lot of say, especially when we're children, we don't have a whole lot of say about what people do to us and what people say to us. But as we become adults, like just understanding that we are adults, (laughs) we have choices that we can make. Now, if you are currently in a situation where you are in danger, I'm not saying just go toe to toe with your abuser. I am not saying that because that could put you in grave danger. But what I am saying is that as you start to see your worth, as you start to realize that you were created for something great and you are not created to be a doormat, you are not created to be under someone's thumb or under their foot or under their rule, that something does rise up inside of you. So I encourage you, if you find yourself in that place, to seek safety to reach out to a local domestic violence shelter. Um, I do not encourage you to reach out to your church because very few faith communities have the training and the resources to help people who need this. So go to local law enforcement and have a recommendation to a domestic violence shelter um, and get people who are actually trained and have the skill set to help you make a safety plan. So all of my life I have known this kind of um, abuse of power And all of my life, I have felt, most of my life, I have felt worthless and inadequate and inept and not enough and too emotional, not, you know, too much of this and not enough of that, you know, constant, constant, constant. And I just found that even in the midst of all of that darkness, there was Jesus. 
So this morning I wrote a little something up that's going to turn into a blog post when I get the time to put it in that format. And it was a photo that came up in my memories on Facebook. And it's a picture of me sitting in the back of an auditorium. It was five years ago. No, sorry. It was four years ago. And my hands were raised and I was worshiping. Now, that setting and where I was was not safe at all. It was a place, I don't even know why I was there that particular night. There were some students, I think, that I was there to um, just to support. But otherwise, I felt very, very unsafe in this specific place that I was in. But someone snapped this photo of me, and it came up in my memories today, and this is what I wrote. This photo showed up in my memories today. It was taken four years ago. I was walking through some of the darkest years of my life. I was not safe. I was alone, forsaken, betrayed, and terrified. I was sick and weak. I did not have the physical strength to stand and worship. And yet, I worshiped. I lifted my hands in surrender to the only one who is worthy of my trust. Today, I am reminded of the decades that I did just that. I stood on Sunday mornings and offered a sacrifice of praise. Not because life was good, but because God is good. Not because home was safe, but because he is my refuge. Not because people around me cared about me, but because he did never leave me and he did not forsake me. Not because those around me were faithful, but because he was faithful. It has been five years since I stepped down from leading worship in a corporate setting. It's been five years since my body failed me and that church body failed me. And yet, My relationship with Jesus is sweeter than ever. He held me. He rescued me. He set me free. He is healing me day by day by day. I praise him for he is worthy. In my shower, in my car, and in my living room, I will lift my voice. In nursing homes, at survivor retreats, and by campfires with sweet friends, I will worship. John 4 verses 23 through 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. It was such a bittersweet, full circle, I don't know, kind of a moment to see that photo come up because... Even though I didn't know someone was taking a picture of me, and it's probably good that I didn't know that, it really um, captures where I was. Like in my physical state, I had to I had to physically sit. I couldn't even stand. Um, and yet my heart, I did not feel safe being there. There were so many people around me that were just not safe people. So many people that had judged me and not been um, a safe place for me to be. And yet I was like, you know what? It's not unlike any other time that I've been in a worship setting before. There's always been people around that hated me. There's always been people around that were speaking ill of me up until the point that the service would even begin. I was dealing with abusers and accusers. And yet every time that I stood to worship, it was because God was worthy. It was because Jesus is good. It's because he was with me and he was faithful. It wasn't because these people made me feel safe. It wasn't because this institution was um, pure. It was because God is good. And I am here to offer up my gift to him as a sacrifice in the midst of excruciating pain. So back in 2001, which 
proved to be one of the hardest years of my life. Um, there's just so much that happened in that year. I do not know at what point during that year I wrote this poem, but that year is the year that Disclosure came out, um, a disclosure that I do not even publicly talk about at this point. I had um, a two-and-a-half-year-old at the point that my twins were born, so I had three under the age of three. Our support system was pretty much ripped out from us when um, church leaders decided to send our pastor and his wife south and bring another pastor and his wife up here and do this big swaparoo. I say it's like playing a chess game where, you know, the chess master's sitting there and just moving people around on the board and as if God, as if this person is God. And it just was very, very um, disruptive to a lot of people. Because when you have um, community and you have small groups and you have that support and it's like a family and then it's just ripped from you, it's it's traumatic. And that happened during this other tra- trauma that is beyond, um, beyond explanation. Um, that year, a dear friend of mine passed away and I wrote um, a song and sang that in his funeral as well as helped to lead worship at his funeral. Like that year was so so dark and in the midst of that somewhere during that year I wrote this poem and um, I have printed it multiple times last year I had a graphic designer design um, some beautiful artwork around it and I gave this as a giveaway at our ladies retreat for the held and healed ladies and God knew when he put this in me, he knew that for the last 20 some years, how many times I was going to need to come back to this. And this really helps to sum up my relationship with Jesus. It says, Jesus, he's enough. Jesus, he's enough. No other hand must I hold. No other voice need I hear. Jesus, he's enough. Wow. Sorry. He has paid the price and ransomed my own life. Jesus, he's enough. He knows my pain. He wipes my tears. Jesus, he's enough. No temptation can I face that he hasn't already beat. Jesus, he's enough. My savior, my lord, my shepherd, my best friend, my comforter, my healer, my king eternal. Jesus, there's just something about that name. I did not expect <laughs> to get this emotional. No other hand must I hold. He knew, even when I did not know. He knew that the hand that I held was not worthy <laughs> of holding my hand. <laughs> No other voice need I hear. He knew how many voices were going to come at me and tell me to sit down and shut up and stop. (laughs) Woo, wow. He knows our pain. Every tear that has fallen from our eyes, Jesus knows. It says that he... He stores them in bottles. Like he, our tears, we may resent our tears sometimes and we may not like when we cry, like right now, but they're precious to him. Our tears are precious to him. 
No temptation can I face that he hasn't already beat. He didn't just put us down here to be sitting ducks. He put us here on this earth and he gave us what we need and he surrounds us and he equips us and he is with us. I talk about so many different things that Jesus is and this list does not even begin to tell you all the things he's been to me, but he has saved me. He has been my Lord in a way that has protected me and kept me from harm, not in a way that has dominated me and oppressed me. My shepherd, that word is really, really important to me because I know a lot of pastors, but I do not know a lot of shepherds. There's a really big difference. I know a lot of men who want to stand on a platform on a Sunday morning. And they want the power and the control. But I do not know a lot of shepherds who will get down in the muck. Who will watch over and protect their sheep and keep wolves away. That's a really important part of being a shepherd. Is protecting sheep from wolves. And not being a wolf yourself. Very important. Shepherds feed and they guide and they lead and they provide for everything that their sheep need. That's very different than just standing on a platform on Sunday morning and preaching a bunch of things that may or not even be true. My healer, oh, sorry, my best friend, um, wow, yes, I can say beyond all shadow of all doubt. Um, there's a situation right now that I'm walking through that I literally cannot talk to another soul about because the person that I love and that you know I'm walking through this with has asked me not to. And so I need to honor that. And so in those moments when we really cannot go to any other person to process or get counsel or, or get uh, insights from, and it's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus, and that he is my best friend, my comforter. How many times has he been here to comfort me, to hold me, to surround me? My healer, he's been that for me on this journey of healing body, mind, and spirit. I cannot say enough about him as my healer and my king eternal. So I know that sometimes people think that just because I speak out against corporate religion and just because I speak out against abuse and just because I speak out against corrupt leaders in the faith community, I get um, comments that I'm a church hater or that I'm a man hater. Um, No, I am absolutely not. I hate abuse. I love Jesus with all of my heart. I love true church. I love Acts 22 and the model. And my dog is going to bark now. I love Acts Acts 2. And I believe that that is where we need to be headed. I believe we need to get back to the basics of what early church experienced and coming together in small groups of people. Breaking bread. Opening the word. And looking around at the needs around us to see who is in need of practical, basic things like food and shelter and clothing. 
I believe that mega churches are being exposed and there's a lot of corruption, a lot of abuse and a lot of narcissism and that they are um, being exposed day by day by day. I see that on the daily. I see the just corruption, sexual sin, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, all kinds, financial abuse, all kinds of things that are being exposed. I'm grateful for the last two years and what it has done to expose what's inside some of these these organizations. And I encourage you that if you are like me and you no longer feel safe inside of a traditional church, I encourage you just to find a couple people who are like-minded and like-hearted and commit to meeting together with each other, commit to spurring each other on, commit to the word says where two or more are gathered in his name. That's all we need. That is all we need. And then look around at the people in the community, the homeless and the shut-ins and survivors, single mamas who are out there barely making it after leaving an abuser and barely being able to put food on the table or keep the bills paid. Look around at people who need medical resources and mental health resources. And if you have a little bit of extra, please, 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 please give it. At some point in the near future, you will also be able to see that I am launching the Honor Project movement. So just keep looking back on my website. Just keep looking back until I finally get everything launched, waiting on the IRS right now. And that will be one of those places where you can give to help women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. We're going to have Christmas blessings campaigns. We're going to have Mother's Day campaigns. We're going to start to organize work days in our communities where if there's just some basic car maintenance or house repair and things like that, I have big, big dreams. I have huge dreams for how we're going to bless these women. And, you know, just, just keep looking back for the Honor Project Movement update. Um, when the time has come and I'm allowed to officially launch that, I will add that to my website as well. I long to see Acts 2 in, in play. I long to see people truly return to the basics of the faith, opening up God's word and having dialogue and saying, this is what I see when I read this. And looking at context and looking at culture, looking at original Hebrew and Greek and digging instead of just having someone standing on a platform on Sunday morning, spoon feeding us, never allowing us to question, never allowing us to dialogue. And then we just go and we regurgitate what that person said. It may or may not even be biblically sound, but let's get back to the heart and the character Let's look at who God is over and over from generation to generation to generation. He is the father to the fatherless. He calls us to take care of widows and orphans. He calls us to visit the the sick and those in prison. He calls us to put clothes on the naked, to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty. Are we doing that? Is the church doing that? Mm. Some are. Yep, some are. Few. Few are. And I am just calling people who are true lovers of God and true lovers of people. 
let's get back to the basics. And I hear people say, oh, but I really just want my kids to grow up in church, but there's no church that I really feel safer. Then don't take your kids there. If you don't feel safe as an adult, why would you want your children there? Well, I just feel like they need to, they need to what? They need to grow up in the midst of the same corruption and the same abuse and the same patterns and systems that we grew up in that almost took us from our relationship with God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Gather in your communities with people who are like-minded and like-hearted, who love Jesus. Make sure the adults that are around your children are safe people. Keep your eyes and your ears on your children. Keep them close by you. Protect your kiddos. Oh, I can't say enough about that. And let's do, we know better, let's do better. We know differently, let's do differently. We do not have to keep doing the same thing over and over again just because it's what our grandparents did and our parents did and we did and we made our kids do and now most of our kids don't even want anything to do with God because they saw the hypocrisy, they saw the corruption long before some of us did. Let's call our children back to the heart of the Father. Let's remind our children of who God really is versus what those churches presented. I have had to go to my children many times and say, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that we drug you to church Sunday after Sunday. Fighting all the bad stuff that they saw and they heard. Setting up, doing the worship thing, tearing down my kids. Oh my gosh, it was exhausting for my children. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I put my children through that. If I had it to do all over again, I would not put my kids through that. Because they did not see who the true God was. They saw strife. They saw abuse. They saw mistreatment. They saw anything but God, honestly. So I hope and I pray that my kids can sort out who God is from the example that they saw year after year, week after week. I have apologized for my shortcomings and the ways that I misrepresented Christ to them. And that's hard. That's hard. But I want my kids to know that God is good. That God is good even when I, as their mama, have failed them. So I pray, I hope that this has encouraged you. This was a little bit more emotional than I had planned. But over it all, I hope that you hear me when I say that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has been there for me. Jesus has been my constant. He has been my ever-present help in trouble. And when I speak out against abuse, it's because I love him. It's because I want his name to be glorified. It's because I want people to see him apart from the systems and the oppression. People get really confused and get it backwards when they say that speaking out against corruption in churches is bringing a bad name to God. That is wrong. The corruption And the abuse that is done in his name is what is giving him a bad reputation, not people speaking against it. The opposite is true. If we truly want people who have been hurt by these systems and these organizations and institutions, if we really want them to be healed, we must stand with them. And we must say enough is enough. And we must say that's not God. That was not him. He did not treat you that way. And... 
he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I am going to try to pull up. I don't know if I can do this. Um, it's a blog post that I wrote a while back. And I wrote a series of them. And I'm going to try really hard to find this while I'm still talking. And this eventually, I believe, will be in a, a book form. And I just want, um, yeah, here is a little bit of why I do what I do. And this is something that I wrote back in January 24th. I do not like debate. I do not like, I do not get energized by conflict and I do not enjoy confrontation. And yet here I am in the middle of a battle that is as old as the world itself, a battle against abuse. A battle that's been raging since the Garden of Eden and one that is hot, hot, hot in 2022. What baffles me and breaks me the most? That so many so-called Christians will defend abuse. When an abuser is exposed, many will come to his defense and accuse the victim of slander, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Taking a stand against abuse within faith communities is exhausting, heartbreaking, and gut-wrenching. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Abuse is rampant in churches on Sunday mornings during services and all week long behind closed doors. <clears throat> Excuse me. No church is perfect, quote unquote, has been used for generations to cover up, minimize, and excuse abuse of every kind. I survived more than four decades of spiritual abuse while enduring every other form of abuse at home. I cannot, I will not be silent. I once believed that I was called to be a bridge back to an institution one that deeply wounded people that I loved and did so in the name of Jesus. Now I realize that I am called to be a bridge back to Jesus, not an institution. I remember how I felt when I was still in the fire, being blamed and shamed for my abuser's sins. I remember the guilt I carried for things I didn't even do. I remember the condemnation of being accused of being bitter and unforgiving when I was hurt and unsafe. I remember being told that I had to return to dangerous situations and not being told that I was worthy of honor, love, respect, safety, and fidelity. I remember spending thousands of dollars on counseling, seminars, programs, and ladies retreats that did not have a clue how to properly assess and address abuse. On days when I feel like pulling back, shutting down, and closing Shutting up and closing down, I remember. I remember being a little girl who desperately needed someone to speak up for me. I remember being a young woman who longed for someone to protect me. I remember being a mama of three under three who didn't know how to juggle all the trauma while keeping my sweet baby safe. I remember being a woman who did everything, quote unquote, they told me to do while the abuse got worse and worse. That's why I do what I do. There are countless other women who are still in the fire, and I will not, I cannot be silent. I will pace myself. On public forums, I will pick my battles. But in my group, surrounded by other survivors, I will speak up. I will expose toxic teachings that have been used to repress women for generations. I will ask hard questions. I will offer resources to equip, empower, edify, and encourage my survivor sisters. I will be... I will offer truth to those who have believed lies for far too long. My commitment to my former self, I will be what I needed someone to be for me. 
And then I say, ladies, you are so, so welcome to join us on Facebook at Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse, where we are growing and healing together. And that is my invitation to you now and always, dear ladies. I think we just hit the 1200 mark this morning and uh, we welcome, we have room for you. We have space for you. Don't forget to check out heatherelizabeth.org and click on the different tabs for retreats and the summit and coaching and my blog and my podcast, which you're already here. So you know that exists and let's just continue to heal and grow together. And my prayer for you as always is that you will feel held even as you are being healed. Blessings. Thank you.